This is a bonus track for listeners of I Am, I Have, a recording of our live webinar with cognitive hypnotherapist Sophie Parker, discussing the subject of motivation. This webinar is the third of four in partnership with Red January, and we'll be sharing each with you weekly. Also, check out the Happyful YouTube channel to watch more. We hope you enjoy this session and check out more at happyful.com and hypnotherapy-directory.org.uk or download the free Happyful app. A little disclaimer, working from home and recording from home brings its challenges and on this recording I had an issue with my sound but wasn't able to deal with it in the moment as this was a live webinar. I've tried to minimise this as much as possible but I hope you'll press on through it as what Sophie has to say is so brilliant. So back to the webinar. We join as Sophie introduces herself and her own relationship with motivation and hypnotherapy. I'm a conscious hypnotherapist. I'm also a coach, an NLP practitioner, uh, a PR, and also a, a mum. So uh, a multi-hyphenate. And actually talking about where I am in terms of what I do is, is really fitting for this conversation, actually, because five years ago, I never thought that I would be any of the, these things or, you know, the possibility of creating, um, you know, a multi-hyphenate career was something that I could do. But actually it was a conscious decision that I made to actually create, you know, more work-life balance myself and, and create this portfolio career. And that's what I really want to kind of land today when I'm talking about motivation is that it's about the conscious decision. You make that decision to make changes to your life. And I made that decision um, about five years ago when I was practicing uh, hypnobirthing uh, when I was pregnant with my daughter. And hypnotherapy was not something that I'd ever come across, like never heard of it, was pretty skeptical uh, about its benefits. The only hypnotist I knew was Paul McKenna. So it was not something that was on my radar. But after having a really positive birth, I returned to work and as any kind of working parent knows, it's just such a hard juggling act, you know, being a mom and also kind of being on um, for work. But one thing that really kind of got me through everything was all the tools and techniques I'd learned through hypnobirthing. So kind of the visualization, the breathing. Also, I think most importantly for me, it was the greater self-awareness. And it gave me that self-awareness to really reflect on my life. I'd been talking for years about doing, you know, something different, but like many people, I was in my, you know, thirties and kind of thought it was too late for me. I kind of, you know, started on that path. I'd been working in PR for 10 years and I never thought actually it was possible to deviate from that path. But what I realize now, um, in the job that I do as a cognitive hypnotherapist, it was just a story I told myself. I told myself yeah. and society had told me that actually, you know, you make a decision when you choose your A-levels, when you, you know, you sign, you know, you apply for a job, that's kind of the career that you, you do and you're set for life. But actually the reality is that you have so much control and lots of the work I do, it's about really about empowering people to take control and make changes to their life, positive changes. Sophie, we're going to start off by talking about motivation. Tell us about motivation and what it particularly means to you. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, motivation is really interesting, actually. If I kind of apply it to my story, I worked in PR for 10 years before I became um, a hypnotherapist, but I always knew that I wanted to do something different. I wanted variety, but I was waiting for that spark, that motivation, that something just to get me going. And it's crazy. Like I waited, I realize now I waited so long for this feeling, something just to set me alight and kind of ignite some sort of action. But I now realize, actually, I was looking at motivation all wrong and really you need to think of motivation as a verb it's not a noun it's a doing word it's about Mm -hmm. taking action and if you think of it that way it kind of completely changes how you approach things especially when it comes to kind of setting goals or kind of making plans um, for the future so my kind of key learning really is that if you want to feel motivated you'll be waiting forever so if you've been thinking about signing up for red january and you haven't yet you're never going to do it unless you actually take action so you first thing when it comes to motivation is taking action that's what drives motivation that's a really important point to make and i was I was just thinking back to a morning not so long ago when I woke up and thought, I haven't got the motivation to go for a run today. And what was interesting about that is I think I was expecting this magic feeling to be kind of bestowed upon me to feel like I wanted to get up and do something. But actually, that's not going to come from anywhere else, like you said, apart from yourself. And obviously, everyone that's here today is is probably part of the Red community. And they've already been motivated to join up today, to turn up today, to join up up to red how can they keep that motivation throughout the rest of the month and beyond if you looked at motivation on a graph it would be it would look like an inverted bell curve when you start or you set yourself a goal you have that initial burst of energy you're really excited and it peaks like you're telling everyone you're really geared up and you're really excited and it's quite normal for things to dip and it normally happens at that halfway point. So if you signed up to Red January at the first of the month, you're probably waning now. And that's completely normal. And what you need to do is actually think about the fact that, you know, the end is in sight. And that what that's what gives you that dopamine kind of uh, rush to get you through um, the rest of the month. And which is why it's really important when it comes to motivating yourself to kind of meet goals is to set smaller goals so that you can hack the brain and get that dopamine kind of neurons um, firing to kind of propel you through your kind of your goals. I love that the idea of smaller goals because it can feel huge can't it sometimes when I mean January can feel like a long month but actually breaking it down to week by week, you know, what are you going to do in the next week before you come to the next webinar? What are you going to do in the next day? What are you going to do in the next couple of days? Perhaps that's an easier way to approach it than, than looking at how do I get through, not not red January, and also we're encouraging people to, to carry on beyond January, yeah. but, but a particular something that you're trying to create as a habit or a lifestyle change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for me, it's the smaller, the better. I mean, sometimes we goals fall uh, to the wayside because they're just too big and actually you need to break them down. So mm-hmm. for example, if you if your goal is to be able to run, uh, I don't know, 5K by the summer, you don't start off running 5K every day. That's just, just unrealistic. What you do is you work backwards. So think about how do you get to running 5K and you work backwards and set those goals and think about, okay, so to get to, 
to 5k by July, maybe I need to start with a couple of K and just work yourself up. Basically anything more than nothing leads to something. It's the cumulative effect of what you're doing. So no action is too small because it's bringing you closer to that end goal. And there's lots of research actually show that movement is really can really help release dopamine, which is kind of basically your reward and chemical. It makes you feel good. So if you're setting small goals, it means you're getting those spikes of dopamine and basically you just let your body do the rest. So if you feel like actually today it's wet and it's raining and I really don't want to put on my running shoes to go out, um, that's, that's completely fine. Um, but maybe you think about what you can do instead. So if you don't want to go outside, maybe you want to do, you could do an online class instead. It's about kind of not writing things off because you can't be bothered, but thinking about, okay, in this moment right now, what, what would work? What would work to get me moving? It comes with greater self-awareness because quite often our emotions are automatic because we're constantly working at hundred miles per hour. We don't really have time to stop and pause and think, okay, why don't I want to get out of bed today why don't I want to put on my running shoes and go outside and just slightly unpicking and trying to identify those factors which are driving the way you feel can give you or empower you because it means actually okay if one of the factors is you've got no one your friend's not running with you today perhaps you think okay maybe can I find someone else so you change one variable which will inevitably change your perspective on that whatever task you have to do so it's really thinking about okay why do I you know why do I feel like this and what can I change that's another great thing to think about the small steps and and changing one variable yeah absolutely and sometimes the variable could be something as simple as the time of day you know in practice when we're talking about kind of you know I know Adrian was on the podcast last week talking about the power hour but maybe you're not a morning person and it's unrealistic to think that you will get up at 6am and go for a run before you start your day and actually what if you switch things up and tried running at lunchtime for example, maybe that would make Mm. you more inclined because it's actually working with your preference in terms of um, the time of day. I love that. And that's something Neil Bailey spoke about on our very first webinar. And we actually did a poll and most people seem to be more engaged mid-morning. Different people will have different perspectives on this. And as you say, if you're better off in the middle of the day and it's something you can look forward to and you can move your body, whatever it is you're hoping to do, then why not do that? You don't have to stick to any kind of rigid schedule. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why it's so important that when you're setting goals, they're personal goals. It's not mm. because your mum's told you you should get fit because you can fit into your, I don't know, bikini in the summer. It's because you want you know, you want that goal. It's intrinsically motivated because it's personal to you. So I think that's the number one rule when it comes to setting any goal is make it personal. Think about why you want to do it. And it gives you a purpose. It gives you, I guess, a a guiding star, something to work towards uh, that's motivated by what you want and what you need rather than someone else's needs. And I really took that away from our chat yesterday when you were talking about dopamine, um, because you were saying you won't get that kind of dopamine hit if it's somebody else's obligation rather than, than something you want to do. Yeah, it's absolutely true because it's not rewarding to you. You know, some people, I know for example, some people love cleaning and that's fine if you're Mrs. Hinch, that you're lovely and you get that reward <laughs> by having a really clean and tidy house. But if, if that's having a clean and tidy house is not important to you and it's low in your, your priority list, you're not going to get that same dopamine hit because it's not a reward, it's a chore. 
Uh, and that's where people fail because actually they see their goals as a chore, but actually they shouldn't be. It's about set, it's it should be something which is rewarding to you because it's going to bring some positive benefit to your life. So, Sophie, one of the big things here is treating yourself as an individual rather than using those words that are terrible for yourself, which is I should, I should, I should, I should, which is usually from outside sources, not inner desire. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you're setting goals, like a, something I quite often do is I think, okay, I say to myself, I want this. And then, you know, you finish it with because like, I want this because I want to feel healthy. I want to be able to um, run without, without feeling out of breath. So really think about the benefits because it's goals are great, but they work better when there's a, there's a clear tangible benefit that you can see. I want this because that's great. Just going to read out a couple of messages we've had. I do NHS Teams exercise Monday to Friday. It makes me commit to a little each day and always makes me feel better. Also a break from work, lol. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. If it serves two purposes, then then why not? I've got another one here. I'm struggling to help motivate my 16-year-old son. He hardly comes out of his room and he has no hesitation in saying no, more like a grunt, when I suggest any form of exercise, even a walk. Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? But I can imagine that's partly age. It's partly situational, you know, with the lockdown. Is there anything you would suggest, Sophie, for that? Yeah, it is a tricky one with teenagers. I think it really kind of comes from, you know, to get get someone to want to do something, they have to really want it from the inside. And it sometimes helps with presenting options. I think it's really easy to say no when someone says, do you want to come for a walk? No. So what would you like to do? Following up with, you know, yeah, what, you know, would you like to do X, Y, or Z? Because the the way the mind is created, they could, it it likes choice and it can't not pick. So I think if you can present a choice or some options, or maybe you, you brainstorm if he's, if he's open to it, maybe over, over dinner, you know, in the evening family meal, you can talk about all the different things that you can potentially do to kind of get him moving or get moving as a family perhaps maybe you set a family goal potentially yeah give that a go see if that works and I'm just going to check out our poll so the question was how motivated are you seven percent of you said I'm ready to go 57 percent of you said I'm motivated some of the time 35 percent of people said I struggle to motivate myself, which is understandable. And 2% of people said, help me. Is there anything you would say about that, Sophie? The hardest step you'll take when you're trying to achieve a goal and set yourself is the first one. Just think, as long as you can get out of bed and get your shoes on and get outside, that's that's the hardest job done. You know, once you've done that step, the idea is that you just have to keep repeating that action. So it becomes habitual in the same way when we always, hopefully when we all wake up in the morning, we brush our teeth. It's just, it's just the thing that you do, go into the bathroom, get ready for the, d- the day. You want whatever goal you're setting to feel, to feel like it's just part of your day. Some people yeah. find it helps kind of scheduling things in the same way you would schedule a meeting in the diary. Maybe you need to schedule in whatever action you need to take to meet your goal. And also use technology. If, if technology is something that you spend a lot of time around, having something that pops up to let you know, maybe use a title like you time or, you know, something that really makes it clear. Do something for your future self now by by scheduling something that pops up and tells you this is your quality time. Go and take it now. You know, I'm one of the people watching mentioned um, doing a session with their the session NHS at the start of the week and actually doing things with other people 
yeah. can really help, I think. It makes you commit to what you're doing and also makes you accountable. Because I think the key thing is that if you've got people around you who are there cheering you on, lifting you when you're feeling low, when your dopamine kind of plummets, they'll help it you know, peak again. So that's kind of really, really key as well. Like, don't feel like you have to do it alone. I mean, that's why there are personal trainers. That's why there are coaches, because although we can do it alone, it's easier when you do it with others. And that's at the heart of the Red community. You know, it's it's amazing when I look at the hashtag for, for Red January 2021 and see so many people every day up and out, you know, whether it's walking in the snow, whether it's walking their dog, whether it's yoga, is great. So do keep on checking in with that red community because it's it's a huge help and a huge resource. There might be someone in your community who's doing red who might, you know, want to get through the messy middle with you and, and meet you up and meet you for a socially distanced walk or run. So I'm going to move on to the next section, which is self-confidence. This is a really, really tough one for some people. And I'm going to pop up a poll and ask you to let us know where your self-confidence is at the moment. But Sophie, yesterday when we were talking, you really changed my mind about self-confidence. I would love you to tell everyone on this webinar what you said about confidence and, and how it ebbs and flows. Self-confidence is firstly is so important when it comes to motivation because it's your yourself telling you what you can and can't do, what you're capable of. So you, so it's really important in that respect. And one thing I always tell people um, when they say, I just don't feel confident, I'm not a confident person. I say, actually, it's just some situations you're not confident in because actually it's really rare to find anyone who is in a constant state where they lack confidence all the time you know you didn't feel unconfident when you made your coffee in the morning or when you turned on the shower yeah which, which is crazy it's just one situation where you you lack confidence and it's just trying to again it goes back to self-awareness trying to unpack what's happening in those situations where you don't feel confident and it's quite often people feel unconfident when it comes to sports or being active because quite often it's all linked but things or situations which have happened in the past unfortunately um you know if you you have a situation where i don't know at school you were told you're not you're not the sporty one you're not very sporty and or maybe you're in a situation where people were picking teams and you were last to be picked and people laughed and you were left really red-faced what happens in that situation is your mind gives meaning to what's happened there and it pulls out key factors because the mind is really smart it'll filter out things and thinks okay in the future if i ever encounter a situation where sports is involved being active or maybe being in a team i'm going to keep you out of harm and keep you safe by preventing you from ever doing any things which are what any vaguely in any way connected to those variables so what yeah. happens is that Again, when you grow up, that person grows up and someone says, do you want, do you want to join the, our netball team? You'll just immediately say, no, it's not for me. Like you just won't feel confident because actually your mind has been clever enough to try and stop you from harm's way by saying mm. to you, you should avoid all sports and anything involved with teams because you're just not good enough. Even though it was just one situation which caused that connection. And that's the really funny way that the mind works. So if we look at it as a coping mechanism, and, and we did um, a podcast with Bryony Gordon a while ago, and she was talking about the fact that her OCD, her obsessive compulsive disorder, for her, the way she looked at it was it was a coping mechanism that her brain had put into play 
to try and keep her safe, but it was faulty, yeah. you know, but if we look at the fact that our brain is actually trying to do the best for us, that sometimes is working with old data. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say to my clients that, like, you know, they come in with an issue or a problem and the way we have to look at it is that issue or problem only manifests is because we are hardwired to protect ourselves from harm and danger. So mm-hmm. your anxiety or that lack of confidence is only there because it's protecting you from further danger or harm. And, you know, in that situation of being not being picked for, picked for a, a team um, is because it is protecting you from embarrassment and you feeling that, you know, feeling that embarrassment and not being good enough. I mean, the brain is an amazing, amazing thing. You know, it's, it's the amount of functions that it's dealing with at any one time. It's very possible that it will be giving you Absolutely. wrong messages sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if you think about it, it's crazy to think, but basically our brains process about 11 billion bits of energy, like information per second, wow. which is crazy. And if you imagine if we were conscious of all of that information, we'd get nothing done. Like we literally wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning. But in fact, actually, I think research shows that our, our conscious brain, our mind can only actually process 50 bits of information per second. Right. So it has to filter. So it doesn't filter in all the detail. It just looks yeah. for kind of key information. So or look for the context. So the context in the, that sports example is any sports it might look for kind of triggers. So it might be certain people, in which case avoid teams. And that's just the way the mind works because it can't process all that information to say, actually, that was just an exception to the rule. Um, You know, that's what it doesn't say that, you know, and that's quite often where problems arise is because our mind has just done it's a smart you know smart thing to create a shortcut it hasn't looked at the detail because it's got too much information to process um, which is where the unconscious comes in because a lot of our actions you know 90 percent of our actions are actually governed by unconscious like we're not even aware that that one situation in school where we weren't picked for you know our our netball team has led to us having an aversion for any team sports I find this so fascinating, Sophie, the whole, the whole thing about the brain and the way the brain works. And yesterday you were saying, if I'm paraphrasing now, and you'll be able to say this better than me, but if the brain can make you behave in one way, it's possible that you can tread a different path if you, if you divert or if you work upon those feelings. I am very much of, of the belief that if your mind has created your problem, because it is your mind when it comes to your unconscious, it makes sense that it'll be able to fit it, fix, fix its problem itself. So when you work with a hypnotherapist, I'm not doing anything. All I'm doing is guiding you to do what you, what you naturally already do, because we all have the ability to self-hypnotize ourselves. Like we do it in everyday life without even thinking, you know, all those times where you've got in your car and driven to the shops and actually kind of forgot about how you actually got there. Or when you wake up in the morning, make your bed without thinking, like those are all unconscious behaviors. So simply all your hypnotherapist is doing is guiding you to connect with your unconscious and speak to it and reframe any negative memories that you may have in the past so that you, so, so that you can basically move on. I mean, that's amazing. And when we think about the, the overworked brain, if you like, what we were talking about before with all of those bits coming in to our brain and then hypnotherapy, am I right in thinking it's like a moment where you work with somebody to kind of just slow that down and, and, and go into a specific conversation, if you like? Yeah, it's basically speaking to your 
unconscious um, mm. in a nutshell is giving you time to pause and just reconnect because we don't you know quite often because of our busy lives we don't have time to do that and to dig a bit deeper you know it's all in there kind of the I guess the origins of lots of issues are kind of hidden in our past and it's just trying to understand mm. okay you know if we have an issue today around kind of I don't know presenting or public speaking where did that come from because it just we're not we don't we're not born you know with our kind of our kind of our issues and problems they're cultivated and they're cultivated yeah. in the plant past because a seed's been planted it may have been planted by yourself because of a situation you um have been unlucky unfortunate to be have been put in or it might be a seed that's been planted by someone else and actually a lot of the negative thoughts and feelings we have are actually just stories we've told ourselves. And the key mm. thing really is if they're stories we've told ourselves, it makes sense that they're stories that we can actually rewrite. And that's the, that's the, the crux of it all. We are that's the authors it. of our, our destiny. You know, most of the things that happen, are obviously there are things in our life that we can't control, but most of the time, we can. Um, it's just be, it's about reframing that and thinking, actually, I am empowered enough to make changes to my life but I sometimes just need a nudge and help to do that. And that's where, you know, a therapist can really help. Thank you for explaining that, because I think a lot of people, when it comes to hypnotherapy, cognitive hypnotherapy, or even coaching can be a little bit concerned about what it really is because of terrible stereotypes they've been fed through the media, through comedy, through, you know, just representations of what hypnotherapy is. And I personally have had hypnotherapy. I found it deeply relaxing, actually, and was completely aware of what was going on. But I mean, there's a lot more to go into. And I, I think yeah, we need, I... need to do a whole series on, on hypnotherapy. But what would you say to people who are nervous about what hypnotherapy is? There's absolutely nothing to be nervous about. It's basically forget what you've seen on TV in terms of state hypnosis. It's nothing like that. It's a talking therapy, but with more of a purpose. So the type of cognitive hypnotherapy I practice is actually influenced by a number of different approaches so it's it's science-based so it's influenced by uh, cognitive theory cbt also encompasses uh, neuroscience and uh, uses a range of techniques including emdr eft tapping it's more of an uh, i guess a philosophy rather than an approach in terms of it's about basically using all the best tools which are out there to help you the client to connect with your unconscious which is a source of all your problems and issues and certainly self-confidence would be would be one of those areas and it's so fascinating i have seen some of you contributing to this conversation so i'm going to read out a few of your thoughts somebody did mention it's slightly further up that it's not wise to do things with other people when you're shielding as a vulnerable person from our previous conversation just to say yes absolutely recognize that i think there are still ways you can uh, connect with people online while you're shielding so you have that feeling of being with someone but yes absolutely please take that as red if you're shielding please don't meet with somebody else but let's just talk about self-confidence so one comment I've lost a lot of self-confidence since being made redundant in October haven't even tried to get another job that's tough also how do you deal with constant knocks it's hard not to feel like a failure or that you're doomed for more both of those comments, I mean, it feels like they've had a tough time. Is there anything you'd say about that in terms of regaining that self-confidence? Yeah, it's a really hard one. I'm really sorry about the um, redundancies. Okay. I would say that, you know, although it's feel, it probably feels really awful right now, you must, you know, it's when you're made redundant, it is devastating. Um, mm. 
because it, it's rejection, basically. You've been told that you haven't been good enough to be selected to stay and keep your job, but actually it's not that things. And that's one thing you have to do. You have to separate the redundancy from who you are as a person. Yeah. It was a business decision. It wasn't about you as an, an individual. And I think that first step is kind of just really kind of clarifying that in your mind. The next step is really to, I think, to, before you can kind of put your out, yourself out there and start looking for a new job, you need to kind of really focus on, okay, shifting your mindset and really creating a more positive mindset around what are the you know, what are the great things about you? And if you're struggling, because you can struggle when you, especially if you're feeling really low about the redundancy, maybe this is something you can do with your friends and family. Could you ask them to tell, or maybe previous people that you've worked with to tell you what are your strengths? Because quite often when we're in the middle of a crisis, it's really hard to focus on what's good. We just instantly focus on the negative. So maybe that's kind of one thing that you you can do. And just, I think again, we talked about goals earlier as well, like, you know, break it down, kind of think about what feels good for you to do right now. What are those steps you're going to take to help build your confidence up? So in order that you feel strong enough and empowered enough to look for a new role, because that's really important. You want to present the best version of yourself when you are ready um, to start working. And one thing I would say is that I've been made redundant before and it's, I've never met anyone who hasn't said that redundancy was the best thing to happen to them because it forces you to pause and take stock of your life and you know you've been presented with really amazing it doesn't feel like that right now because obviously there's worries about kind of financial worries about the future Mm -hmm. and whether you're going to get another job how you're going to pay your rent or mortgage but it's given you this opportunity just to pause and reflect on actually what was when I was what I was doing before was that really making me happy okay um you know what do I want to do moving forwards because actually you've got this amazing springboard now you can do anything like the world's your oyster you just need to kind of work out what you want to do and build your confidence in order to do that I think that's some great advice and and absolutely know that you're not alone in that you're not alone in feeling that way and I think sometimes when we're isolating it's easy not to see other people in the same situation that, that we are. On both Happiful Life Coach Directory, we have a lot of different information about redundancy, um, about working on yourself after redundancy and resources as well. So please do check those out. And, you know, in terms of constant knocks and redundancy, I would also say look at look at all the things that you've achieved. Look at all the things that you've managed and weathered. You've had the strength to get through those. Your state now might be one of um, worry and concern, and that's absolutely you know that's understandable. But you have done so much already, and you're you're capable of doing more in the future as well. So I am sorry to hear about that, though. I know it can sound trite when it's coming from someone else who, like me, who doesn't know your full circumstance. But please do check out those other resources and everything that Sophie said. Just one more question, and then we'll move on to talking about the fascinating subject of mindset, because I could talk to you all day about this. Another question, I'm a foreigner in the UK and get really self-conscious about not being a native speaker in working situations. That really affected my self-confidence when I moved to the UK. Ten years later, I still feel this way, although my English improved during all these years. Any tips? Firstly, I'd say uh, amazing to be multilingual. Sophie, is there anything you would say about that? 
quite often when we make judgments about ourselves, it's they're naturally you have they're actually based on our perception of who we are and what we can do. You've mentioned that your your actually your English um, competency has actually improved, which shows that you know, and the fact that you've been managed to join and engage in this webinar is incredible because I, I you know I, I myself wouldn't be able to engage in another language uh, you know in that w- way. Yeah, so key thing for me is just reframing that and just recognizing actually this again is just a story you've told yourself has anyone actually said to you you're not very good at speaking English in which case you if it's something sorry you've told yourself you need to kind of rewrite that story um, that you're telling yourself maybe affirmations might help with uh, with uh, with you um, so maybe thinking about writing some affirmations which will build your confidence around kind of speaking English and empower you around so start those affirmations with kind of I am so quite fitting for the inspired by the podcast you know I you know I am good at speaking English I, I am capable of you know of having a conversation like fluent conversation with another person in English and just remind yourself that you've done a lot more than many other people and that yeah. you have fluency to converse in another language so never yeah. discredit yourself for for being not being fl- uh, fluent because that's all, that's all perception I absolutely agree and funnily enough the podcast I am I have came about because it was around not being defined by something that has been difficult for you. So I have with my own, I have OCD, but I am a writer. I am a friend. I am a dog enthusiast. You know, it was, it was, we are all so much more than the thing that has been difficult for us or, or something that we're living with that we wish wasn't that way. So I think, you know, I am, and, and starting with all the things that you are in the world, you know, you have been made redundant, but you are all of these things, because I guess with that negativity bias, sometimes it's easier to focus on the thing that is is the hardest um, and the yeah. most difficult at that moment in time. Quite often when we are faced with negativity, our mind just starts to filter out all the good. So anything that you can do to start kind of creating happy filters. So like, so if it's not the affirmations, it's maybe a gratitude list, you know, sharing about kind of the amazing things that you are grateful um, for could really help shift your mindset in terms of that perception of how how good you are at speaking English. And you just mentioned that wonderful word, word mindset, and we're just going to go on to that. But I am going to check the poll. This is the last poll. Uh, self-confidence. 3% of you said that your self-confidence was great. 22% said it's good. 33% said it's okay. Um, 31% said I struggle and 10% said I need help with my self-confidence. Um, again, thank you for sharing that with us. Do pop on to Happyful. Our new, for our new uh, magazine is out tomorrow and there's lots of different things in there about positivity and confidence. And if you actually subscribe to become an email subscriber, you'll get sent the magazine in its digital format for free on Thursday. So please do go and use those resources because we've developed them for you, just like today's webinar mindset sophie let's talk mindset how does confidence interplay with mindset confidence is a really important part of mindset because again it's about you know your mind telling you what you can or you can't do well there's been quite a lot of chatter i guess over the um about kind of 
a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And the key thing is that you want to go through life with having a growth mindset. You don't want a fixed mindset because a fixed mindset is basically you creating this fence around you, telling you what you can and basically you can't do anything outside of this fence. This is where confidence and or lack of confidence comes to play because if you don't believe you can climb over that fence, you're not going to be able to shift. You're not going to be able to kind of move forwards or fulfill any dreams or ambitions. So mindset really is everything when it comes to life because it's all about growth and moving forwards and actually fulfilling your full potential and what you can achieve in life. And if you're somebody who perhaps is, is struggling with a fixed mindset, how do you start to move towards that how do you start to move towards changing your mindset because are we always aware of what our mindset is yeah because I think with a fixed mindset like so I would say that a few years ago I had a fixed mindset because I'd reached 30 been working in PR and you know for a while and I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to retrain there's no way I'm going to change jobs or to take a different path and that wasn't really true I mean you hear it all the time when people are like I'm too old to do this I'm too old to that but it's never there are a few things where it's really too old to start something new it never really is and it's because I was just playing when you have a fixed mindset you you have the you place obstacles you know the fence there's a fence around you and everything is an obstacle you constantly climb it's just and it feels relentless because you're like there's just too many things I need to overcome to get to where I want to be when you have a growth mindset you see those obstacles as opportunities so I think if you've got a fixed mindset what you need to do is be pragmatic in terms of your approach and you need to work out a plan and you mitigate anything that you think could come in your way, like the worst case scenario. So what is the worst case scenario for you starting a new job, like a new career? What's the worst? The worst case scenario might be you have to start at the bottom. Okay, so how are you gonna how are you gonna overcome that? Like what what's the you know, think about the worst thing and work out a plan that could help mitigate that worst thing. So, you know, there are no obstacles, they're just things that we that are, you know, challenges there for us to kind of work out our plan to overcome. That is so interesting, that idea that a pragmatic approach if you're someone with a fixed mindset, because perhaps having a growth mindset feels a bit too much like there's too many variables that that you couldn't control. What's really interesting about what you said is that at the beginning, you said that you were quite skeptical about hypnotherapy before you started to, before you had, you worked with hypnobirthing and became a coach yourself. Adrienne Herbert, who's on this week's podcast, said that 10 years ago, if you'd have said, you know, practice affirmations to her, she would have been completely cynical about that. You know, we all start somewhere. So if you're listening to this and thinking, you know, that's all right, but it's, it's just not for me. Start. Just start. It may feel a little bit uncomfortable at the moment to start to to try out thinking in a different way. But also maybe surround yourself with some of that, you know, read Happy Four magazine, listen to some podcasts that aren't ours that, that talk about this kind of thing and just test it out. Test the water. You don't have to stick with it if it's if it's something that jars with you so deeply. But just by listening and reading and participating more, actually something might stick. What, what would you say about that? Is that good advice or is that just me? Yeah, being... That's absolutely good advice and something I quite often do with um clients who have a fixed mindset it's called it's called the rocking chair exercise so you imagine yourself in the future in your rocking chair 90s of what do you want to be thinking when you're reflecting your life and you don't want to be reflecting on the fact that 
you had this chance, but you, you know, you never, you weren't brave enough to give things a go. Like that is the worst, like for me, that is the worst thing that could happen. I'd come to my end of my life and I wasn't brave enough just to take a risk because like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You start again. There's no joy in just continuing to do the same thing, continuing the same path. If it's not making you happy and it's not leaving, making you feel fulfilled. I, I want to acknowledge that there will be some people at the moment who are feeling at the bottom of their capacity to to look for positive and, and kind of movement forward. And I get that having been there, that, that sometimes when you hear people talking about things you can do, it's quite hard to even get out of bed. So perhaps it's, you're not there at the moment, but small steps, like Sophie said earlier on, the fact that you're here today means that you've done one positive thing in today yeah. to, to talk and to think about motivation. Is there anything you'd add to that, Sophie? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you are feeling really low and you just can't be motivated to do anything, I think it does help to be more future focused. Mm. So maybe you, if you're not journaling, maybe start journaling um, and or making a pl- uh, kind of thinking about what do you want from this year? Like, let's, you don't have to go, okay, you don't have to do the rocking chair exercise, but actually think about what can you do in the next month or, you know, or tomorrow that will bring you a bit of relief and is a step towards you kind of changing your life. Because again, it's, it's the small, like small things and it's the small things which will give you that dopamine hit. And that's the key thing for me is just try the small things and you get that hit and your body would do the rest. Your mind will do the rest. The more your mind feels like it's doing, it will feed that motivation and gradually, over time, you will feel more motivated. And for me, it's not about comparing yourself to others because you are different. You're an individual. So, and you know, it's your life. No one's else's. So don't think you have to have, you know, worked out your life plan by the end of this week, next week, next month, you know, that's fine too. It's, it's about the cumulative small actions that you can make that's going to make a positive change. Um, and I think when you're low, it's about the small things that you can do. And when you're, you know, feel empowered and feel more like yourself, you can look at stretching out those goals a bit further. I think that's wonderful advice. And I absolutely love talking to you about this because I find it so fascinating in terms of mindset and and actually learning is a really good thing if you're feeling quite low is to just just learn something new every day reading something different it's one of those things that helps along with connectivity perhaps if you can get outside it's just one of those things that helps to lift you I think is is hearing and understanding new things yeah absolutely I think that's so key about learning because I think we quite often we society programs us to think that we get to a a stage in life where it's not possible to learn anymore actually there's no point learning a new language because you've plateaued like the mind can't take anymore but that's just that's rubbish it's just a story again that we've told ourselves and actually you know I um, it's quite interesting actually um, being a parent to my daughter when you know and trying to foster um, a growth mindset in her so quite often when she kind of encounters something she can't do she'll say mama I can't do this and I always say to her it's not that you can't do it you just don't know how to do it yet and you need to learn how to and that's very yeah and that's you know that's very much a message that we should be telling ourselves okay I can't speak French but I can learn how to like I don't know how to, I don't know, I don't know how to use PowerPoint. 
it's not that you don't know how to, you just don't know yet. So just changing and reframing language can make all the difference. And I think, you know, if you're telling yourself, you know, every time you face a situation where you say, I can't, just change that to, I can't yet. Like, will make all the difference. Just say it out loud, say it in your mind, whatever, but just start changing the language you use to speak to yourself so it's more positive. We've come to the end of our time, which is sad because there's so much more we could talk about. So Sophie, can you tell us again where people can find you and where they can follow you as well? Yes, of course. So you can, of course, find me on the hypnotherapy directory um, and at my website, which is the-inner.com. And I'm also on Instagram at the inner practice where I post kind of affirmations um, and tips as well. Uh, Being quite slack on that moment. So it'll motivate me if some of you follow and join me on Instagram to post more. Wonderful. And again, we're Happiful, happiful.com. The new magazine is out on Thursday. If you head over to happiful.com and subscribe to our mailing list, you will get that sent free to you as a digital copy. Also check out the Happiful app, uh, which is free to download and use. We'd love to stay in touch with you. Please let us know um, what you thought of this today. Sophie, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. And I'd love to do another one of these again soon, purely on mindset. So um, let's talk about that. Have a lovely day.